Welcome to the show, everybody. We got another great one in store. I'm Dylan Grouse alongside me. We got Chris Jackson. And today we're going to kind of continue what we did on on last episode. And that was talking about the recruits in the 2022-23 class and also some of the teams that are highly touted in this year's in this year. So, Chris, which players do you think we should really delve into this week and really talk about in, in terms of how highly, highly touted they are. Now, I know last week we went through a good list of guys. This week, though, one guy I really want to start off with, he's going to be kind of that hometown kid at the next level. Silaso of Adrawale from Rancho Cotati, multi-year varsity starter on both sides of the football, committed to Cal this summer. He's just a beast on both sides of the football. Anyone that's watched him, I saw him right away against, I'm, I'm not going to mention the player's name, but somebody going to play Division One football, and he torched him every single rep, one-on-ones, fade routes, post routes, goes, slants, anything yeah. he could do. He torched him. That wasn't really the DB's fault. It's just I lost was that good. He's done this his whole life, but he's so dang athletic. He's really going to go play like cornerback at the next level is the way it looks, though, because he's so good in coverage. He's so twitchy, that good hit movement. There's just any he checks all the boxes. So I think Cal getting him is a big steal, but he's one of those guys that's been on my radar since I saw him play seven on seven football last summer. And then when I got to see him in person a couple of times last year, it was just it, it, it was ridiculous. I think it's the only way to say it. Yeah. Katati's a good school, too. Like I played them in high school as well and i think they're a very talented program um they're very well coached so that helps but you know i think another guy that's worth noting on here is warren smith out of el cerrito he's a washington state commit three-star cornerback he's he's a very athletic player you know i've i haven't really seen him much but i've seen his highlights and he's an athletic guy he's big He's a good size for high school. He's going to be a good player in college. What do you think? I think he's the perfect Pac-12 football player. I think a lot of El Cerrito secondary, honestly, could be impact players in the Pac-12 right away. He's so good in press coverage, great use of his hands, but just the way he tackles, too. You just yeah. watch the way he arm tackles, he and all of his teammates. I was asking their head coach, why they all look like just packs all players with the way they tackle, but it's because they just teach this from a young age. But when they get to El Cerrito, they just show them workers in the past. There's been issues with players getting head injuries with their helmets and et cetera. You know, the way that goes in football, but the way they tackle with the arms wrapping around, they don't let a single inch really get extra on See, that. I think play. the biggest thing. No, I might be sorry. No, but I think the biggest thing for cornerback too is tackling. Cause you know, you, you see a lot of defensive backs have a hard time tackling and like, you watch them play and they can't really seem to get a grasp. And that's a big, uh, not, it's a liability. So I think it's a good thing that a lot of guys are learning to tackle at this age. And I think in college it's, it's going to be a very big thing that they're going to be doing. So that's good. Good that they're do, do, doing that. Um, another guy I think it's good is, is, is the guy out of Clayton Valley, McKay, right? The offensive tackle. What do you see on his status? His abilities. I love that Clayton Valley offensive line, and he's a big reason why. For years, 
you know what Tim Murphy's done there and what he did with Nick Tisa again last year too as co-head coaches was just it's that counter stuff out of the pistol shotgun. It's just I it's hard to describe their offense if you haven't seen it, but Richard McKay is a big reason why they'll get seven, eight, nine, ten yeah. yards of carry every single play. The way he pulls as a guard coming to left to right, everything else they need. Richard McKay is that guy, offensive tackle, offensive guard. I'm, he's one of those guys I think you could put anywhere on the offensive line, and he's going to be so good because he's athletic, yeah. quick, he's strong. He's got a big offer list. He's got Arizona, Florida Atlantic, Fresno State, UMass, Sacramento State, San Jose State. He's not the only D1 lineman on their line either. They got a younger guy, Manuel Cerna. He's gotten a couple of offers. He's really good too. That's how you're going to win games and championships, really, not just the defense, but up front is so underrated. Why do you think these programs like a Sarah, De La Salle, St. Francis have been so good in recent years? Yeah. I'm playing. Why has Clayton Valley been so good? The coaching's good. Skills have been good. But that offensive line is something else. That's how you're going to really win those battles. Get a couple of extra yards going to be, is going to be the big difference. It's probably another reason why Tim Murphy has always been so confident going forward on fourth down because he knows he's got a good offensive line that can block. You can they're a big team them. too. That's yeah. the thing. They're huge, and and they're a high school team. And the fact that they're big guys at that age, it's huge, right? You get a running back that can rush for over a thousand yards a season, right? Because of that size, so it's. It's huge, and I think it's key, and hopefully they can, you know, keep getting guys of that size at, at their school. But, you know, I think size is key in high school nowadays, you know. So it really is. I know in these next couple of weeks we're going to really have these league previews coming up on the website and podcasts. So I'll get more into how I think Clayton Valley is going to stack up, but all I'm going to say is, and then Clayton Valley is the favorite to three P in that league is all I'm going to yeah, say. Yeah, they always are. It's crazy how that team is always in, in, in the, you know, conversation, in the conversation, but, you know, I think Tim Murphy's a great coach and I think he knows, you know, what he's doing and, you know, how to make that team a contender, but, Yep. You know, and, and now you've got Nick Tease has been on board. He won at Doherty Valley. He's won everywhere he's been as a head coach and assistant. Just co-ed coaches is not an always easy thing to do. Now with Folsom at co-ed coaches in football, when they were really, really good, now they are again, right? That it works seamlessly. San Marin, it works seamlessly. That's why San, another reason why San Marin's so good. Clayton Valley, it's hard to have co-ed coaches, especially when one's been so successful for so long like Murphy. Puts his, puts any ego to the side. They work so well together. Yeah. And Clayton Murphy's Valley, a good coach. that good. Yeah, he's that. I good respect it. You know, I think as good as they are in the recruiting that they probably can do f- f- in their school, he's still a great coach. I mean, he knows what to do with the guys he has, and I think that that is why that program is as good as they are. Because if you have a coach who knows what to do with what he has, no matter what size they are, or how big they are, or whatnot it really goes a long way towards success in the, in the long term. So definitely. And I think the thing too, they are a charter school, so that can help get more kids coming yeah. in from their higher talent pool. Right. But at the same time, I think Clayton Valley is at, is kind of one of those programs like a De La Salle or elsewhere where it's, you don't really have to ever try to convince a kid to come there. I think you're winning your production how you've gotten kids at the next level speaks for itself. And if I was a parent, I would, I'd probably be stupid not to try to send my kid to play yeah. for Valley or De La Salle. I'd, I'd probably be punching myself in the face if I didn't 
try to have them play for a Patrick Walsh or a Tim Murphy or just with some of these coaches, but it's what Murphy's got going. I can see why their football numbers are so good every year. And with see, the- if your kid's an athletic kid, I think Clayton Valley, De La Salle, Pittsburgh, schools like that are really good to try to get your kid into because, you know, in sports, they're a strong school, all of them. And I think that if you have the ability to go, try it. You know, it's worth it. It's a, it's worthwhile and, you know, it, it might pay off. So, yeah, and, and what's the biggest thing at all these schools? It's stability, right? Exactly. Sir Tim Murphy, he's talked about retirement every single year of the past few years saying, oh, this is it, this is it. But he keeps staying, right? He's stayed there for a long time and he's won. De La Salle's had two head coaches in 40 years. Patrick Walsh has been at Sarah forever. I think stability is such a big thing too. Yeah, I think that's what wins in college. That's what wins in high school. And that's, what's going to win at every level. Yeah. Every school has that in common, right? Every school that's a champion or every school that is a consistent winner, right? They all have that stability and consistent coaches. They all have that guy who's been in charge for a while or that guy who's earned the respect and I think not not only in high school or in college, but every level at every sport, if you have that coach or that guy in charge who's been there for a while, it definitely is, is going to show a difference in, in games if you play a team that has a coach who's not as experienced or whatever, because it's not – coaching is a big part of it too. You know, Coaching is a big part of how these athletes can become a better player and grow and develop and become and just you know you know become a better player and blossom right so it helps a lot it really does help and and i know a lot of Steelers fans have criticized mike tomlin in years past but exactly that makes no sense he's a great coach I've, i've never understood why you're saying oh i think it's time for mike tomlin to be done well who else are you gonna get that's yeah. better. You keep winning. You've got a stable franchise. How many franchises, how many college programs, how many high school programs are stable year after year? That's why you're winning. Alabama has been stable for years. Sure. They hired one amazing head coach. They've been stable for years. Why is Foothill been great for years in football too? They've been stable from Sweeney now to Hobner. It's been stable. Cal High's had two head coaches the last 15, 20 years. You go from Bolici now to Calcano. It's totally different styles of offense and what they're doing. We know Belichi love to have these big freaking running backs and tight ends and fullbacks. And we're going to pound it up your butt 45 times a game. And Al Cacanio is having him throw it 45 times a game, but it's stability. Sarah's yep. stability. Yep. Pittsburgh is stability. Montevista has you, the scheme, yeah. all that, all that needs to be stable. It's crazy. Montevista has not stability in recent years. You had Bergman for years. Rusty did a good job there for a few years. He stepped down. It's C.J. Anderson for one year, but I think everybody knew C.J. Anderson really wanted to coach to the next level. So that's not C.J.'s fault. That's not Rusty's fault for stepping away. That's just sometimes stability. You got to find that guy that really is going to be there long term. I think Millard going to be there long term. Make Montevista going to be even better. Montevista for some reason. I don't know how they do it. They manage to always be pretty impressive, and yet they're the one team that doesn't have that stability and consistency, and yet they – I think it's a lot of it too is the parental support, the kids, the athletes that come yeah. out there. They're so hungry. And it's amazing how Foothill's done it too all these years because Foothill's never really been that big. Last year was probably their biggest offensive line I've seen in 10 years. And it's not like they were big. You went to a practice, yeah. show, this is really a top 15 team just by size, right? 
Well, look at the size for one minute in warmups and watch them practice and play. And it's amazing how they've won all these titles league, how they've been the NCS championships and what they've done. You'll see why stability is crucial. Culture is crucial. Talent's crucial. And just, but I think that culture is a big thing. And that's why going back to what Clayton Valley, why they consistently win. And I need to be stopping an idiot and doubting them. I know last year I picked them to finish fourth on that side of the league. I don't know what was wrong with me when I thought that, now I'm I'm never picking against Clayton Valley again. That was just so speaking insane. about a team that's stable. De La Salle, they got Dre McCoy, an athlete, which I don't know what that means. I don't know what that is, right? But he's an athlete. He's committed to Nevada. He's a three-star. What do you make of him? And what's he going to play in college? You know, what position do, 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 do you see him as? I like him as a defensive back in college. He's somebody that can play receiver, DB, right? Dale Sal doesn't throw the ball a lot. They don't have yeah. to, and especially when you've got a tight end like Cooper Flanagan. You've got great running backs, that great offensive line. you got Charles Greer running back, Thompson Powers along the O-line, right? But I like Journey McCoy as a DB. He's just so good in coverage. He's athletic, twitchy, quick. There's so many things to like about him. I think Nevada, too, he's going to team up with Kai Taylor there from Pittsburgh. Somebody I think we're actually about to get into as well. Kind yeah, of Kai, yeah. Him and Kai Taylor is two defensive backs. Kai Taylor is – he had three interceptions in one game. Sir Jerry on Dickey got his that day. You're not going to cover Jerry on Dickey forever, right? They just no. Everybody knows Jerry. You just got to hope to contain him. I think Kai Taylor did as good of a job as he could. He got three picks that day against Valley Christian. You got two guys joining that. You got two guys that are going to join the the pack that are fast. And I think Nevada needs that spark, especially on defense. Their history has been not great. So I think now that they're getting speed and guys who actually can make a difference on their defense, it's going to be huge. Speaking of Kai Taylor, another athlete. Is he going to be a safety, a corner? What do you see him as? What do you think – like, what impact do you think he's, like, he's going to have in his senior year? What do you think he's going to do in Nevada? Like, what, what, just what do you m- m- make of him overall? He was one of those guys where he – when he wasn't getting offered for a while, I think Greg and I were getting kind of pissed because we're wondering what else do you need to see with this kid? Right, especially just watching his game film, watching him in person, it's just something. Yeah, I'm gonna send you a video of him right now. Watch it when you can, even just watch it here in a second. But him just doing some speed training too. You're gonna watch this and be like, okay, yeah, that that's a D1 kid, right? But he's one of those. He's long, again, athletic, super quick. His he's six two, but he his wingspan. I'd love to know his wingspan. I don't know it on, off the top of my head. I would love to know that his arm length and everything else because he's great in all kinds of coverage. He just reads the ball so well. He sounds like a Ronnie Lott type player. Ronnie Lott had that size to him and he had that athleticism and that. Right. It's something you, just, you can't teach. That's that rare. You can't teach that it factor. You can't teach that size or wingspan. He's also comes from an NFL pedigree with his family and all of that too. He's just so smart and everything. Kai Taylor with Tyrone Taylor and that family too, but there's just, Kai Taylor, I think I text you that video. So whenever you can watch that thing, if you want to watch it right now and give me your reaction, you can. But he's just his speed is something else. So is his footwork too. Kai Taylor, I'm gonna watch this video right now while we're live on air because I have to see this guy. You know, how do you, you know, let me see? I mean, he's on the he's on the treadmill, and he's just yeah, he's yeah, he's fast. 
Yeah, he's pumping. He's pumping. You know, the it. one thing I am going to say, though, is I can see why. He's a lanky guy, and, you know, he could be injury prone. Is he injury prone? We don't know. But, you know, if you're going to be 6'2 as a corner or DB, you know, it's kind of hard to really know how durable you are, right? Because if you're a lanky guy and you're tall and you're fast, right, you're durable to injury. But I will say he is way faster than people could probably give him credit for in terms of the offers he hasn't gotten. So, you know, I think he's going to be a beast in college. We'll see. But I do think that it also matters on the conference too, right? He's going to be going to a conference that is slept on, right? So he's going to be going there, playing as hard as he can and hope he, he gets attention. And he probably will, but, you know, it's tough at it at his conference, but we will see what, what it happens. Is, now, give, now give that Nevada coaching staff credit too, for plucking these kids, getting them from the Bay area to there, but also just finding kind of these hidden gems out there too. I think you got to give scouting such a big thing. I'm sure these top programs like in Alabama, Georgia can just reel in those four and five stars anytime they want with Kirby smart, Nick Saban, but you get, you're finding these diamonds in the rough three stars out there at these different programs. And you're just, you know they're going to fit in, right? I think those are two guys, Journey McCoy and Kai Taylor, that can make immediate impacts. It You can't teach what those kids have. You can't teach that IQ. Yeah. That's just – those are kids that are, you're going to have to really want it, and those are two that those, I can definitely confident. Yeah, and in. hope with them watching they, them really want it. Let's hope that they do really well at the next at the in, in college. Now, let's get into some teams and their schedules and – break those down and see how they stack up against each other. The first team I want to go over is Sarah. I know we talked about them in the, in the previous show, but let's talk about what teams they play this year. You know, oh, you got them playing some good teams, right? Yep. Like they play Folsom, De La Salle, and Central Catholic as the, in Modesto as their three, as three games. Those are tough games, yep. especially against De La Salle. Yeah, then you go into a West Catholic Athletic League schedule where week four, right after non-league is done, you play St. Francis. Then you play Mitty. Then you play Bellarmine. Then you play Reardon. Those are bloodbath games, too. Those are bloodbath games. And then Sacred Art Cathedral. Every single game on that schedule is a bloodbath game. Especially, like, I'm interested. I really, honest to gosh, right, if I could pick one game on that schedule to just see a bloodbath in, it'd be Sarah and De La Salle because let – like I said, I love me a De La Salle game. Those games are always tough, especially if they play a good top school. Those right. games are tough. They're physical. You know, it's it's just a great game to watch and just, you know, get to observe and just dwell in. And it's amazing. And speaking of uh, St. Francis, that schedule, I mean, what is that schedule? They went 11 and 1 in the fall, you know, in 2021. One right. I'm gonna go on max preps and see who they play because yeah. Now here's who they play. They play Central Catholic Week One. They play Monterey Trail, always a really good program out of Elk Grove Week Two. Then they play De La Salle Week Three, who they beat last year in that crazy game, right? The first NorCal team in 30 years to do so. Now you've got the rematch. You know De La Salle wants that bad. 
They're that's going to be the game and, of the year. That's and, and the game know, of the year. And I know De La Salle is going to say the right things. They always do because it's they always do. Culture. Yeah. They're, so just, they're not going to say we're looking ahead past week one, but you know they want that. How could you not want that? That's every the, yeah. They that's going to be the game of the of this of twenty twenty two in my opinion. Simply because it's a rematch of a game that De La Salle could have had, and they yeah. know deep down that they should have had that game. It was St. Francis was such a good team last year. They they were the team that got De La Salle. Someday it had to happen, but Saint, if any team was going to do it, it was going to be St. Francis last well, year. That yep. had, and they did it. And that De La Salle-Sarah game, too, is going to be one of straight money. A Friday night game in Concord. They're yeah, only on field. That's know that place is going to turn out. What's the fan yeah. turnout going to be in that one, do you think? It's going to be huge. They, they need – let's put in more bleachers for that game. I'm not sure where we're going to get the room for it there, but let's – Let's find a way. That student section is going to be filled long right. before kickoff. Let's Sarah's going to bring a lot of students for that, too. And don't forget, Patrick Walsh has connections to De La Salle because he is a graduate of De La Salle. And that's so funny. He's one of those coaches that just is so good. He's a De La Salle graduate. Now it's Sarah doing his thing there. Sarah was the open division, I guess, representative, you should say, in that North or in the state open division championship game. It wasn't De La Salle. For the first time in a long time, Folsom got that D1 bid because they beat De La Salle and NorCal. Sarah was the NorCal Open Division representative in state. So this is this is going to be a fun one. These are the let's, two top programs. Let's play down. a game. Do you think the game between De La Salle and Sarah is over or under an A's game of a 2,500-person A's game that they've been more, getting? Oh, season. easily more. Easily, You're All telling right. 2,500 people go to an A's game? That's what they're telling you. But I've been to games. It is sad. How many people are probably at an A's game, do you think, on an average night nowadays? How many people live in my apartment, too? (laughs) Yes. You know what's funny about that? I go to an A's game every now and then. It seems like every game I go to, less and less people show up. And I don't blame anybody. And now I'm seats a, are breaking. And now seats are breaking at that stadium too. Yeah. Now you have people crying for like, and it's that. It's the. It's basically the stadium's way of saying you need to leave. You need to get a new stadium and move out of, and move out and just get just go somewhere new. But yes, if if St. Francis, if 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 the De La Salle game has more than twenty five hundred people, that. I don't know what to say about that. If if that's a good thing for that game, if that's how bad the A's games are nowadays, I don't know what to say. But that's just gonna be. It's gonna be see what happens. With that. And that that's Sarah Folsom game week one too. Folsom's always got crowds. They got to go to Folsom. You know that's gonna be a hostile environment too. That's yeah. Then Folsom's when De La Salle plays, then when De La Salle plays St. Francis and Concord, because last year they went to Mountain View, lost to St. Francis. This year, you know that's gonna be a fun atmosphere too. You know that some of these schools, too, do not strike you as the types of schools that really enjoy the opposing teams when they come to town. So, Oh, no. <laughs> and that's, what makes, that's what you want. That That's what it's all about at these levels, right? And yeah, then- like I'll never, I'll never forget either. Like when I was in high school, there was uh, Najee. <laughs> Najee was on Antioch. Yep. When Najee was on Antioch and anyone would come to town and they would say, I'm going after – Najee, you would know the fans would, would would cause an uproar because Najee Harris was like this superstar athlete at that school. And, you know, he's a great athlete, great kid, but, you know, it's just like you see these schools and how they are about their teams and all that. You definitely can sense just that energy that is fed off of these crowds. If you come into town and you know it's going to be a hostile game, 
you'll know it's going to be just a great, great game. Um, you oh, know, yeah. De La Salle's schedule this year, they got St. Francis and Sarah as well, but they also play Stockton and St. Mary's. They got Monterey Trail. They got a good schedule too, you know. Yeah, look at that. Then they play Cathedral Catholic, who one state team from San Diego. Then they play Folsom. They beat Folsom last regular season, and Folsom beat them in the NorCal Championship. And this one's back in Concord. The regular season that went to Folsom, the NorCal Championship was at De La Salle, inches away from beating Folsom. Didn't quite get it. <laughs> there really is not like a game of that skills that you want to miss yeah. at De La Salle. That's that's going to be a fun one too. I, let, let's go. Let's jump into some game predictions here, real quick. Some. All right, let's do some game predictions real quick. Is I agree with that. Like you said, I do want to do some of that. What game? So the first game I want to predict because we were talking about it earlier. De La Salle and Sarah. What do you think that game's going to be? What's the score going to be? And who you? I got? I'm going to say right now. I don't think De La Salle loses a single regular season game next year. Mm, okay. All right. That's fair. But. If, the, if that happens, it's going to be a close game still. So I'm going to they're say 34-30. They're beating Sarah. They're beating Sarah. It's not going to be a blowout because games in that situation never are a blowout. It's always a close game, especially when I'm like that. 31-17? Yeah, 31-17. That's a good prediction. I love that prediction. The only reason why I'm going close is, is because I think that games that are like that are always close. But So we got De La Salle and we got Sarah. Now, what about De La Salle and St. Francis, is that going to be a close game? Because I think that game is going to be close game, but honestly, it's not going to be as close as the Sarah game. My prediction in that game, you got De La Salle winning 35-27. They're not losing that game again. I don't think they can. De La Salle is going to come out with its heads on fire. It's going to be 35-14. Okay, you got them blowing them out. All right, I see you. I I see you with that. All right. So let's do one more De La Salle game. I'm interested in what you think when they play Folsom. <laughs> There's a lot of talent on that field. Folsom's got Rico Flores going to Notre Dame. You've got Walker Lyons, the four-star tight end, going to tight end you at Stanford. And so much other talent, but De La Salle's going to win. De La Salle's going to win this game by a field goal. It is going to be 31 31- 28 you know i'm not a fan or anything obviously but just as a bystander who likes to see things go just crazy and people not expect anything i want to see de la salle lose at least one regular season game not because i want to see them lose in the sense of like i don't like them but because i want to see just people lose their minds because it's not like them to lose games especially in this time of year I remember when they were down to St. Francis last year, I was at San Leandro Bellarmine. and everybody was talking about that score when it was 24-7. De La Salle comes back, you're like, okay, now De La Salle's got it, okay. Now St. Francis scores with 15 seconds left. You go back, you're like, what? This is such a first-world problem, right? But what are our football rankings going to look like now? De La Salle's not a number one anymore. When was the last time somebody didn't have De La Salle number one in the Bay Area? Probably I don't know before either of us were alive, probably oh, easily, point. easily before either one of us was born. Right. There's, there's no way, but it's, it's, I think a lot of people want De La Salle to go down. It's just, I think people like people like different things, right. It's when the warriors were so good at the, like the Patriots. Game. It's like the people, Patriots. Everyone yeah, was. And, I think, and now as a program, that's where you want to be when everybody wants. Well, it. yeah. You want to be in that threshold where people wish 
that you were not that good because then you know that you're a real threat to people and you know that you're like taking away from other from other I, I don't I don't think De La Soft stands a chance of going down this year but you know what like yeah I was gonna say they are never going down because of the way that they're built and you know what kudos on them they earned it it's their thing speaking of Bellerman, you talked about them let's predict them they have two games oh. they got McClymans and Menlo Atherton as their first two games of the season do you think that Bellerman goes two and zero in those games, or do you think they split? Do you think they go zero and two? Remember, they were eight and four last seat in twenty twenty one, which is not a bad season, but it's also you know, if you on paper, it's not the best. So, do you think they're going to go two and zero? Like, what do you think happens with them? I think they're going to go one and one because. I think McClyman's is a really good school. They lose to McClyman's, I think, in a close game. It's going to be 24-21. But Menlo Atherton, also a close game that they – I think it's a – they pull it off, though, 27-20. They win now, by a touchdown. Now, here's what I think. Bellerman's got a lot of experience this year. Their, their program's turning the corner again to become what Bellarmine used to be when yep. we were growing up, when Bellarmine was competing to go to state and went in CCS. Last year, they were went to the CCS semis. They were probably a year ahead of schedule with this rebuild. What they did, they beat Menlo Atherton right out of the gates. You're like, oh, crap, okay. Maybe I was wrong about Bellarmine. This, they're, they're coming about now under Joel Beachman and this whole coaching staff. I think Bellarmine goes 2-0. and M.A., it, I think – MA is going to be good again. They're probably a sleeper team because you lose Jalen Moss, who's now playing D1 football. Jeremiah Irby's at Cal while Jalen Moss is at Fresno. Their quarterback, Matt McLeod, was a really explosive quarterback. Mm-hmm. Graduated a lot of experience. I think just kind of inexperienced week one going against the Bellerman. I think Bellerman's got the edge there. McClyman's going to have a different starting quarterback for the first time in a long time, too. McClyman's is always good, though. They're running back JV on Thomas. They call him the Jet. You watch and you'll see why. I but I think Bellerman will get McClymans. I'm I'm yeah, all on exactly. I'm all on the Bellerman hype train this year. I got them as a top four team in the Bay Area this year at number four entering the year. I think Bellerman's gonna start off hot. Now there's let's talk about three quick teams before we sign off on this show. The three teams, the first team I want to talk about obviously is Campo, because their schedule, obviously, they have Akalani's, Miramani, and the usual teams, but the game I'm always excited for, assuming they they play Clayton Valley, I assume, right? Again, like they play them almost every single year. Because I remember when I was at that school, they played Clayton Valley every single year. Nope. Now that Clayton Valley's in the East Bay Athletic League Mountain Division with SRV and Monta Vista and Cal and Amador, they don't play them. All right. Well, that that's a disappointing thing. But I'm going to pull up Campo Lindo's schedule real quick because there are some games on there. They, now, they've, they've got a solid non-league schedule because week three, they go to Windsor, who just had one of its best seasons in school history. You've got San Leandro week four, then Monta Vista week five is a really good matchup to going to be two really well-coached programs. Let's, you know, I, that, that's the game I was, I was trying to see when it was, because I heard they played Monta Vista this season now, what do you think the score of that game is going to be? Because that's going to be a good game. Campo has a good team every year, and Monta Vista is a pretty solid team. I think – and that game is a game that doesn't happen all that often. 
So I'm very curious to see that about that game because I do remember hearing them saying or them, you know, seeing somewhere that they played them and you just confirm that. So it's good. But I think that game is going to be a very close game. But I unfortunately do not think they win that game because just the matchup, right? You look at Monta Vista as Campolindo, like the matchup itself is just so you wouldn't think Campolindo can keep up with a Monta wait wait, hold on here you're picking against kevin macy look i can't look every time they do that someone picks against them he always is good and succeeds and so i have to predict against him because we will see what happens it's not going to be a blowout game but it's going to be a 24 17 game in favor of mv i'm sorry campo i love that but okay you know what? The motivation is there. Let's see if they take it. Let's see if they can run with that and see if they win. Prove me wrong, but I'm going 24-17 against Campo. They're not really built, I don't think, to withstand the strength of a Monte Vista team that's got size, speed. Campo has that, but there's one. And my, they're not – it's going to be hard to keep up with a Monte Vista team that's ready to just run all over you every single week. I love this Montevista team, too. I really love their new head coach, Johnny Millard. Please forgive me when I see you guys at practice next week. All you guys, Mateo Congdon, Talon Jones, Price. I mean, uh, there's 50 million great kids there I can mention, but I'm picking Camp London to win that 28-21. Camp London's got – they've got experience coming back. Dash Weaver, you've got Robbie Mascheroni. It's it's hard to beat Campolino and Kevin Macy. I think that's going to be one amazing game where I think Campolino wins it probably in the last two or three minutes. Heck yeah! Well, unfortunately, we are out of time on this show, but we had a lot of fun today. It was a good show. Thank you, Chris, so much for joining me on this fine Monday afternoon. And we will see you guys next time. Take care and goodbye. <laughs>